20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome into another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Decided I would do something a little bit different today. Instead of doing a full practice recap, I didn't do a quick hits episode yesterday. I did a full breakdown of yesterday's camp in mid-afternoon. So if you are looking for yesterday's practice breakdown, you can check it out again. Uploaded it yesterday sometime in mid to late afternoon. Today, instead, what I wanted to do is take a, a closer look at these final Packer roster battles. And more specifically, I wanted to go over some potential surprise releases. It seems like every single time at this point of year, we get to a point and we're, we're always shocked by maybe someone who gets released or cut or how Green Bay structures their roster. I think the biggest was probably Josh Sitton. I don't know how long ago that was now where they decided to go with Lane Taylor. If you remember, Lane Taylor did not have a great preseason that year in any capacity. And then they decided to cut Josh Sitton, that Lane was going to be the start at guard. Lane played pretty darn well that season and really the subsequent season as well. Um, and then eventually would end up getting hurt and so on and so forth. But that was a shocking move. Now, usually what happens when there is a move like that, there's a lot of financial reasons for it, right? Josh Sitton had a really big contract. They were able to save money on it, put Lane in the starting lineup and just basically make that transition right then and there. Was he as good as Josh was? Probably not, right? But you can understand with the salary cap situation and getting a, a big savings on cutting Josh, like that's usually where you start getting into those surprises. It's not just, hey, we're going to cut this guy for the sake of cutting him. A lot of time there's a, a salary cap repercussion that goes along with it. So that's, I think, what we want to start by looking at. But I want to just kind of go over in general. I think some of these names that we're going to go over today, people maybe assumed were completely safe. And I want to go over why they may not. Now, the vast majority of these players on this list are maybe either going to fall under the category of it wouldn't be like super shocking or be like they're probably going to make the team, right? If I, if I were betting, I would probably put my odds closer to a lot of these guys making the team and I'll go through that. But I do think there is some room uh, you know, for there to be a potential surprise here. So let's just start with number one, which I think would be very shocking to most, but that's Yash Nyman. And I'll be crystal clear here. There's there's two scenarios that are far more likely than Yash getting released, right? The first is that he's just on the team. That is the most likely scenario for Yash. The second is that he's traded. That is probably the second most likely scenario for Yash. But I want to go over that Isaiah Simmons trade again from yesterday because I think it's noteworthy here. Prior to yesterday's trade, all right, had I told you that Isaiah Simmons and Yash Nyman were traded on the same day. And one of those players would, you know, yield a, you know, seventh round pick. You probably would have leaned maybe towards Yash Nyman, right? Like meaning that you probably would have expected Isaiah Simmons to get more in return. Isaiah Simmons, a former top 10 draft pick had started for Arizona, you know, can play safety, can play linebacker, hybrid player. You would have probably guessed if I were a betting person that you probably would have thought that Simmons maybe would have received more in trade value than what Yash Nyman would have. 
Now, maybe not. Maybe you are smart and you value offensive tackle more than inside linebacker slash safety. And maybe you saw some of Isaiah Simmons tape and realized it wasn't that great. That, that I could understand that. But I think if we would have looked at it, at least it would have been in the similar conversation, right? Of like what they would have received in, in trade value in return. Maybe another great example is what Josh Jones received, the offensive tackle for Arizona. You know, they trade him and a seventh for a fifth round draft choice. And I would put Jones ahead of Yash Naiman. It's close, but I would put him ahead. My point being here, I've been a firm believer for a while that I think Yash has been overrated by the Packers fan base. He is a fine swing tackle. To me, he is not a true legitimate starting offensive tackle in the NFL. You can use him as one. And if he's your fifth one, your fifth best offensive lineman, you're probably in an okay spot. But there is a reason why Zach Tom and Rashid Walker, in my opinion, have catapulted ahead of Yash. There's just a ceiling to what he can bring to you as a team. Now, I do recognize very much so that the state of offensive lines and the offensive tackle position in the NFL is not great. So if you even have an okay swing tackle, there usually is some value with that. But where this gets a little bit more difficult is that Yash is on a one-year $4.3 million deal. And based on it being a restricted free agent tender, Green Bay would not take on any of that salary cap hit. Meanwhile, the team that trades for him would take all of that $4.3 million on. Now, they could negotiate a deal where Green Bay takes part of that on as dead money. They could change it into to signing bonus, and then Green Bay would take on part of that salary cap, which would make it more you know, likely that a team would be interested in taking him on or maybe more willing to give up a, a better draft choice in that scenario. But the huge reason that Isaiah Simmons didn't get much in return was because he had a 3.4-ish million dollar cap hit that a team would have to take on. And when you start talking about these sort of cap hits at this point of year, there's first of all, there's only certain teams that can take on that type of deal because they have to fill out their practice squad and there's going to be injuries throughout the course of the season. And secondly, a lot of times just teams aren't willing to take on that type of deal at this at this point in the season. It's just not what they're necessarily looking for, unless they're desperate for an offensive tackle, which there certainly are some teams out there. We've talked about the Jets in the past, about potentially, you know, them needing an offensive tackle. I'm not sure that Yash is the player that they're looking for. I think they want a legitimate upgrade, and I think they'll just go with the Dwayne Browns, Mekhi Becton's, Billy Turner's instead of going with Yash. I don't think they would necessarily view that as an upgrade, and I sort of understand why, because again, I haven't been huge on him. In fact, my grades on him through the two years that he's been playing you know, significant snaps, negative 3.05, negative 2.40. And I will say this one more time, he is now, in my opinion, offensive tackle number four. Bakhtiari, Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, and Yash Nyman. And if he's your swing tackle at offensive tackle three, you're more willing to keep him at $4.3 million. That's not as big of a deal. When he starts getting to offensive tackle number four, in a perfect world, in that scenario, he doesn't play all year. And are you willing to put $4.3 million on your books for a player who may not play this season? That becomes more interesting. And if all of a sudden you do get to the conclusion that you ultimately do not want to pay the $4.3 million for your number four offensive tackle, if that's the conclusion that you come to and you start calling teams around the league and nobody else is willing to take on that number for Yash, what's the next logical conclusion? It's that he ends up being released, right? 
He's 27 years old, so it's not like he's overaged at this point in his career. He has two years of starting experience. He can play left tackle. He can play right tackle. And I'll say it one more time. I do think it's more likely that he is either on the roster or traded than released. But I do think there's a world that exists where he just ends up, you know, being sort of the odd man out in the offensive tackle rotation. There also could be a situation in which Bakhtiari's the one where they feel very good about Zach Tom as the two, extremely good about Rashid Walker as the three, and and want to keep Caleb Jones and feel comfortable with him as a four, and maybe even one step further, are maybe wanting to keep Luke Tenuta on the 53 initially so that they can then put him on IR and bring him back later in the year if need be, which then gives you even a little bit more depth. So there could be a world in which they keep five offensive tackles that aren't named Yash Nyman on that initial 53-man roster. So expect him to be more likely on the roster. I would put it as probably 60%, 65% that he's on the roster. Maybe, probably even more than that, probably 75% that he's on the roster. 20% chance that he's traded, 5% chance that he's cut. But I don't think it's impossible. And it, it did seem, I'll be right there with you, it did seem impossible not too recently, but now he's playing late into the fourth quarter in preseason games. And I do think things have changed a little bit with Yash. And when you start putting that $4.3 million cap hit next to his name, it does look a little bit different. And if Green Bay right now could get $4.3 million in savings, that sounds pretty good. Last thing, and then we'll move on from Yash, right? The $4.3 million in savings is, let me ask you it this way. If you could have Yash for one season and then he leaves... And I don't like people are saying like he's going to get signed this major contract in the offseason. I don't see it that way. I I just really don't see it that way. I think he might get a contract and maybe you get a sixth or seventh round comp pick in return, but I don't think he's going to get some exorbitant contract on the open market next year. I just don't. So, you know, do you want the the one year of Yash and 4.3 just gone and knowing that you're probably not competing for a Super Bowl this year? Or would you rather go with the guys that are going to be on the roster next year? meaning Rashid Walker and, you know, Caleb Jones and Luke Tenuta and develop them and save the $4.3 million that you can carry over into future seasons that could help you in maybe years where you are being more competitive. I would kind of lean towards the latter in that situation. The other thing I will say is I think Bakhtiari plays a massive, massive role in this. If Bakhtiari is 100% healthy and he has never had any knee issues or injuries or anything like that, and you go into this season expecting a full year out of Bakhtiari and maybe even a full next year out of Bakhtiari, that changes the calculus a ton. Now you're just going in with your all-pro left tackle, Bakhtiari, 100% healthy, Zach Tom being the starting right tackle, Rashid Walker you know, is your, your next guy up as your swing tackle, and you feel really confident in that. And then even you have a Caleb Jones, maybe a Luke Tenuta, et cetera. It, it, plus, by the way, Elton Jenkins can kick out as well, which is another added bonus there. So you probably feel really good about offensive tackle, even without Yash. But the fact of the matter remains, David could wake up tomorrow and his knee could just be you know, an issue for the remainder of the season. You just don't know how that thing is going to respond. And we would all love to hope and believe that it's just behind him and he's going to be a 17 game, maybe more player this upcoming season. But it's really hard to predict that and, and just put that into you know your, your thought process. You have to consider he's probably going to miss some games. And if that's the case and Bakhtiari is all of a sudden out and he can't play, 
Now you're going with Rasheed Walker at left tackle and, you know, Zach Tom at right tackle, which you might feel still pretty good about, but now the depth becomes a much bigger issue and you may not want to trade away the depth when you have it. So last time I'll say it, 75%, I expect them to be on the roster, 20% traded, 5% cut, but I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that they could move on from Yash Naiman. Number two, Josiah DeGuerra. Now, I do believe, again, that Josiah is on the team and he's had a really nice week of practice. No questions about it. That This is the best I've seen Josiah in a while. But here's the other thing. It was as a blocker. Now, that's not nothing. That's still super important. He still isn't dynamic as a receiver. He still hasn't been able to get open. So this is probably a two to 300 snap player this year. If he's healthy, I think they're going to go with a lot of Musgrave and Kraft. Maybe he gets a little bit more if he's on the roster, but I still think they're going to churn that tight end room. I expect them to find either a trade or a roster claim. You know, once the, you know, once all the the cuts are made, I, I expect somebody at the tight end position to get added to this team some point in this first week. I would be pretty surprised if they just go Musgrave, you know, Kraft, Austin Allen, Josiah DeGuara. I would be very surprised. I I think there's going to be a move there in some capacity. If there is a move, and clearly the the most obvious there is that Austin Allen's out and they just bring somebody else in. But even then, it wouldn't shock me if they didn't keep DeGuara, didn't keep Henry Pearson, didn't keep Austin Allen, and it was Musgrave, Kraft, and then they claimed someone or traded for that number three tight end, maybe somebody who can play a better version of that tight end H-back fullback sort of role. Again, not not totally out of the realm of possibility. He never really came to fruition for what they thought he was going to be as a third round pick. He's not a dynamic playmaker. I don't think he's going to play a ton of snaps. He is going to have a role on special teams, but I've just needed to see more from Josiah. And he has, like I said, a great week of blocking this week, which is what you want to see. I think this big, this preseason game is big for him. I will say like 95% on the roster, I think is is more likely but when you're again when you get down to these guys who are on one year left of their deal it becomes a little bit more enticing to like hey if you can get a guy with 2 to 3 years of control off of waivers or something like that and develop that player instead i don't think Josiah Deguara's in the long term plans this is probably it one last year no matter what happens so i could see them going in a different direction and going with somebody younger and who's under more team control so we'll see but i don't think Josiah Deguara's locked up either very likely but not 100% lock in my opinion Number three is all the running backs not named Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon. And I mean, they release or IR or whatever they need to do with all of them. And we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but I do think there's a real legitimate chance that they just go with two running backs on the initial 53 in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Now, what complicates this a bit is you probably have to release Tyler Goodson and Lou Nichols with an injury designation at that point because they're not 100% healthy yet. If that's the case, neither of those guys are getting claimed. So they go on IR, which means they're done for the season in Green Bay until you work out an injury settlement when they're healthy. When you work out the injury settlement, they're free to sign with other teams, but it it just gets really messy at that point. So if you want to keep those guys, then things get a little bit more complicated. But my guess is they release or figure out an injury designation, et cetera, with all of them, and then ultimately try to get as many guys as they can back on the practice squad. And I think Emmanuel Wilson leads the way there. I think Patrick Taylor ends up on the practice squad. And then, like I said, they might have to work out some injury designations and so on, you know, so on and so forth with 
Lou Nichols and Tyler Goodson, and then just sort of play it by ear from there. The difficult thing is I don't think Nichols and Goodson are far away. And I think if cutdowns were like a week from now, you can just release them and get them back on the practice squad, but it's going to get a little bit more complicated because they're both injured. Still, I would much rather keep uh, a player like a Grant Dubose or Malik Heath as a seventh wide receiver, Brenton Cox as a sixth edge rusher. Those guys are more valuable and talented than a third running back. Almost in, you know, for sure you're going to get them back on the practice squad anyway. I know we get enamored with the Emmanuel Wilsons of the world. I would be shocked. And I mean shocked if the Packers cut Emmanuel Wilson and he got claimed. Everyone on every team and every fan base has some sort of undrafted free agent running back that they have fallen in love with in this offseason. There's a reason why the Jonathan Taylors of the world cannot find big money free agents. It's because running backs are a dime a dozen and you can find them anywhere. And if Emmanuel Wilson and Tyler Goodson, as much as I love Tyler Goodson, and I really like Emmanuel Wilson too, I I told you guys before anyone even saw him in any of the preseason games that I really liked what I saw to OTAs and mini camps and training camp from him. Even though I like those guys, there's just, you, you know, you can cut them and you can find another guy to take their place and you'll fall in love with that guy probably as well. So plus not only that is I think if Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst had to like really make the decision right now, based on what their job description is of that number three running back, it's probably Patrick Taylor anyway. So I I think they end up going with two, adding as many guys as they can from that group on the practice squad and calling up a number three back as needed. And let's just be real, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are getting all the touches anyway. So it's not that big of a deal, but I think they go and release all of those running backs or figure out injury designations, et cetera. Hello, friends. First of all, I just want to say thank you for listening to and being a supporter of the Packaday podcast. You have all helped make Packaday one of the most downloaded sports podcasts in the world today, and I want to sincerely thank you for that. For those of you who don't know, Packaday is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's our partnership with Blue Wire that allows us to bring you this amazing Packers content 365 days a year. Blue Wire currently has over 300 shows with former athletes, celebrities, media professionals, and passionate fans like us. Over the past few years, they've raised over $10 million to grow and operate business and support podcasts like the Packaday Podcast. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round of funding by utilizing WeFunder. This funding will help support Blue Wire's sales team and improve operations. This is giving everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing company. This is not a donation. You are literally investing to own a piece of Blue Wire. A few years ago, I took the leap and started partnering with Blue Wire, and it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I'm hoping you'll consider doing the same. If you would like to be part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. That's wefunder.com slash bluewire. And remember, supporting Blue Wire is another way to support the Packaday podcast and our Packaday podcast team. Thank you. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. 
Goodbye game six of the NBA finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used game time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using game time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the game time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two clicks only in fact, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never need to dig through your email. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code packaday for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code packaday for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Number four on my list, I rolled my eyes when I heard it initially. And now I can't quite roll my eyes quite as much. And that's Samore Toure. I didn't think he had a great preseason game last week, one of my lowest graded players from that week. And he hasn't really done much of anything in training camp, in practice as of late. He hasn't really gained a ton of separation, hasn't really been a go-to receiver. And when you think of like all the, you know, when when everyone's in there, Watson, Dobbs, Malik Heath, Grant DuBose, Dontavian Wicks, like all these guys are getting targets and Toure's not getting that many. Now they tried using him a little bit as a punt returner, kick returner, see what he can do there. He's number three at best in the pecking order there behind both Jaden Reed and Keyshawn Nixon. So I don't think that's a role for him. I, I still very much expect him to make the roster, but this is a little bit more interesting now. I thought he was not only a lock, but I thought he was going to get significant playing time. Jaden Reed is a million percent taking that slot by the, you know, by the horns and is never giving it up. Like it is going to be, you know, it's going to be Watson and Dobbs and and, uh, Reed playing the vast majority of the snaps. And honestly, if you had to ask like who the next guy up that can actually help the team, I think it might be Malik Heath because he is a flavor that Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Jaden Reed are not. He's that big physical possession wide receiver who's also going to block you 10 yards out of bounds. Like they don't have that guy. And that's not Samore Toure. That's Dontavian Wicks and Grant Dubois have actually been fairly impressive as blockers, but they're not the big physical X wide receiver either where Malik Heath kind of is. And he's just a different flavor than those top three. So still betting that they keep Toure. And I do think they keep seven wide receivers, but I don't think it's a complete foregone conclusion. And I think there is a small sliver of opportunity where if everyone's healthy, maybe Samori Toure is the odd man out. Expect him on the team, but it wouldn't completely, completely shock me if that's the direction they went with. Number five is Pat O'Donnell. If I'm sitting here today, and I am, I would ultimately say that I think Pat O'Donnell beats out Daniel Whelan. But I've talked to you guys about this since before OTAs even started. There is an ad, there's an advantage to cutting Pat O'Donnell and keeping Daniel Whelan. In fact, there's quite a few. The first is that he's a lot cheaper. You actually save money by going with Daniel Whelan over Pat O'Donnell. The second is he's younger. The third is he's you know under team control. And the fourth is that he can actually use be used as a kickoff specialist as well. Now, Anders is a massive leg. So if he's on the team, it's kind of a moot point. But you do have another guy who can kick off as well where O'Donnell really does, it, you know, doesn't do that. I think O'Donnell's a little bit more of a well-rounded punter. I still don't see the 
real purpose of being, you know, keeping a 32 year old punter on a team like this, who's under a one year deal. I think you go with the younger guy and see if you can develop him. I've, I've said this from day one. If it's even close, if there's even a hint and to, to me, I would say that if they're both still on the roster going into the third preseason game, it's close. And if it's even close, you go with the younger guy. Like it, that's just where they're at as a franchise right now. I will say this holding is going to be super important for a young kicker. I haven't seen a difference between Whelan and O'Donnell as far as holding goes. Long snapping, a couple snafus here and there. And I can't honestly look you in the eye and tell you who is who uh, because I haven't watched the long snapper battle. Just I, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know what to begin to look for other than if the snap was high or low. But uh, I, I've, the holding has looked good on the vast majority of the kicks. So I think there's a, a legitimate chance that Whelan is the guy. I'll say 66% chance, Pat O'Donnell. But I do think Daniel Whelan has a real legitimate chance to win this battle. Number six might be the most shocking of everyone on this list. And that's Anders Carlson because both Brian Gutekunst and Rich Passaccia have completely gone to bat for Anders. But man, at some point, don't you at least have to consider it? And I understand patience and wanting to be patient, especially given this season and where they're at as a franchise right now. And I understand that he might need just a little bit of time and a little bit of coaching and a little bit of confidence, but my goodness, I like at some point you have to at least consider it. Now, the good news for Anders is there's not much time left for him to really F things up. Like maybe if he gets in this game and is just completely shanking kicks from like 30 or, you know, and, and then one more practice on Monday before I, I think is likely going to be the case where there's a practice Monday before cutdowns on Tuesday. Maybe that's the case, but like, I think he would have to completely just fall apart on Saturday and on Monday before the cutdowns in order for it to be the case. I just think they are pot committed at this point to Anders Carlson for better or worse. And Green Bay is going to have to live with the, the repercussions of that good, bad, or ugly for the remainder of this year and, 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 you know, maybe beyond, right? And there's a chance that they're right in Gudikinst and, and Basashia, and he ends up being a really good kicker in this league for a really long time. There's another really good chance that he loses some significant games for Green Bay this upcoming year. So weigh that out, but um, I, I just can't 100% lock him in just based on how he's kicked so far. So that's number six, but I think the most likely to be on the team of anyone I'm going to name on this list today. Number seven, not super shocking, but every safety not named Darnell Savage. Now, a little bit different than what I talked about with the running backs when I said every running back not named Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon. I meant they'll release all the rest of them. I don't mean they're going to release all the safeties not named Darnell Savage, but it's really hard to convince me that any of these guys are roster locks. Now, I do think Rudy Ford is really creeping into that almost guaranteed lock territory because I think he's going to be the starter. He's a like their number one gunner on on punt coverage and has a huge role on special teams. If if I were to again put money down right now, I would say Rudy Ford like ninety nine point six percent lock to make this team. Still can't get fully there because nothing would shock me with these safeties. It also helps Ford that Tavares Moore is banged up, Anthony Johnson Jr. is banged up, Dallin Levitt can't start, and Jonathan Owens has looked really bad. So even as I'm saying this out loud, I could easily be talked into just locking in Rudy Ford because I, I, I would be surprised, just maybe not quite shocked if he ended up getting released, but I think he's going to be on the team. Meanwhile, everyone else, like 
Anthony Johnson Jr., seventh round pick under team control. I expect him to be on the team. He's a little bit banged up right now. Not sure what ultimately is going to happen there, but I do think he'll make the team. Dallin Levitt, just a special teams guy, barely a safety, but he's like number one on Rich Passaccia's keep list for special teamers. So I think he's going to be there. Can't quite get myself to say 100% lock it in. You know, I, you, we, we continue to go down the list like Jonathan Owens might need to be if Tavarius Moore is not ready and Anthony Johnson Jr. is banged up, but he hasn't exactly had a super strong camp and he's a little bit banged up as well. And like I said, Jonathan Owens, tough, tough training camp, tough, tough preseason, hasn't looked great. So I can't bring myself to lock in any of these guys, but you know, they're going to have to keep a few of them, whether they like to or not, unless they can go out and make some trades and, and, you know, waiver claims and just kind of make over the room that's within the realm of possibility. But I don't know how many guys are going to want to make over this close to the season starting. So I can't lock any of them in except for Savage and pretty close to Ford, but none of them would be super shocking if they ended up being released. I would even go as, well, no, we're not going to go there. Savage is going to make it. All right. Number eight, Jonathan Ford, the defensive tackle. Not a shocker, right? But Jonathan Ford is at a really nice training camp. I still can't get myself all the way there as to locking him in. I think you've got five people clearly ahead of him. And Matt LaFleur has said, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden are in, and that's not a surprise by any means. But then you've got TJ Slayton, you've got Kenny Clark, you've got Devontae Wyatt. So there are five guys ahead of Jonathan Ford. And I think they're going to go a ton of two-man defensive line, very little three defensive linemen. And that makes it tough for a six defensive lineman to get active on game day and be a real active part of the team, right? I do think he's different though, where he's a little bit bigger and more physical at the point of attack and, you know, gives you something that maybe the, the Colby Woodens and the, you know, Carl Brooks's don't because they're younger and a little bit less experienced and a little bit undersized, more gap penetrating defensive lineman. Right. So I think he makes it, but I can't quite get myself fully there. And the other thing, remember they can move Lucas Van Ness inside and play him a little bit on the interior as well, as well as Rashawn Gary, if they wanted to go that route. So they have some flexibility there. And if numbers start getting wonky at other positions, I could see them maybe releasing Jonathan Ford, trying to get him back on the practice squad, or maybe even re-signing him later in the week. Number nine, Tariq Carpenter. Again, not like a super shocking one here or anything like that, but I think a lot of people may be expecting him to make the team. Seventh round pick a year ago, core special teamer, looked uh, really, really great towards the second half of last year at safety. Now moving to that hybrid linebacker role, which I think a lot of people expect him to be better at. Here's the thing. I don't think Tariq really wants to be at linebacker. And maybe more importantly, he looks really bad at it in this last preseason game. And I don't know if it's an effort thing, if it's if his heart's just not in it. But at some point, you can only keep so many players on this roster that are just special teams guys. Eric Wilson, Tariq Carpenter, Dallin Levitt, you know, Corey Ballantyne. Like at, at some point, these guys have to have a role on the actual team, especially if they're going to be active on the 48-man game day roster, right? And I, I don't see Carpenter necessarily being that guy who can come in and help you out at linebacker. Whereas I think Eric Wilson, Isaiah McDuffie, both of those guys can be, like they can help you at linebacker a little bit. So that's a tough one as well, but I, I certainly can't come close to locking him in at this point. And then the last one, number 10, Brenton Cox or Justin Hollins. I expect one of them to be on the team. I'd be pretty shocked if both of them got cut, but they haven't had a huge history of keeping six edge rushers. Now, don't care about the numbers. Keep your best players. That's where you're at right now. But if they do need to release one of them, I I honestly don't know. I think I would lean towards them releasing Brenton Cox, thinking they could get him back on the practice squad, and I think they'd be right. But they could just want to keep the younger player and release Justin Hollins, save a little bit of money, and kind of go in the younger direction too. I don't know what they would do. I think Hollins is better right now. I think he's better on special teams right now, and I expect them to keep him. But 
he is older. He's on the one-year deal. He's more expensive. And if they like Brenton Cox enough, they could just lock him in as well. But I, I that could go in either direction. Wouldn't shock me if either of those guys got cut. So potential shocking surprise cuts, whatever you want to call it. Yash Nyman, Josiah DeGuara, all the running backs not named Jones or Dylan, Samore Toure, Pat O'Donnell, Anders Carlson, every safety that's not named Darnell Savage, Jonathan Ford, Tariq Carpenter, and either Brenton Cox or Justin Hollins, just not both of them. My lead pipe locks to actually make the roster, I've only got 32 of them. All right, so here are my 32 lead pipe locks. This is why I think this year is the hardest it has ever been to put a 53-man roster you know, prediction together because I can right now only say that like I will lock in 32 guys and everyone else, at least there's like a, a outside chance that like maybe something crazy could happen. Quarterbacks, Jordan Love, Sean Clifford, running backs, Jones and Dylan, wide receiver, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed. I think Dontavian Wicks is a f- like extremely strong bet there as well, but he's also hurt too. So you don't know how that's going to turn out. Tight end, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, offensive line, Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, and I'm putting Sean Ryan as a lock too. There's there's not much depth on the interior. He was a third round pick a season ago. He's playing better than he any, looked at any point last year. I think he's a lock. Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Carl Brooks, and Colby Wooden on the defensive line, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, LVN, and Enigbare at edge. Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell at inside linebacker. I can't quite get there with McDuffie, but I'd be pretty shocked if he didn't make the team. Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, Carrington Valentine, and um, Keyshawn Nixon at corner. Obviously, if Stokes somehow gets added for like moved off of the pup list before then, then he would be on the 53 as well. But right now, I expect him to start on the pup list. Darnell Savage at safety and no specialist I would lock in at this point. Those are my locks. Those are my potential surprise cuts. Hope you enjoyed the episode. I'll be right back here tomorrow previewing Seahawks and Packers final preseason game of 2023. And then we start getting ready for week one Packers Bears. Cannot wait. I'll see you guys soon. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.